so Steve Astis is my wife, Susan, if you haven't met her. Um, uh, Steve asked us to come and kind of wrap up the whole marriage um, uh, series with our testimony. Um, and the, um, uh, I, I kind of want to start by saying what you're not going to hear. Uh, what you're not going to hear with our testimony is that we overcame these huge, horrible obstacles uh, in our marriage. We, we haven't struggled with uh, in, infidelity in our marriage. We, we haven't lost a child or had to overcome some huge heartaches or, or hurts or whatever in, in our marriage. Um, like I know many other marriages here in, in Northview have, have had to overcome. Uh, what you're going to hear this morning is uh, two people who... A long time ago, uh, we're a lot younger and, and fell in love and, and got married and, and more just had to navigate the typical day-to-day frustrations uh, with, with marriage. Uh, and so I was always surprised that kind of Steve wanted us to, to, to come up and share because I thought, wow, you've kind of picked the two most boring people in the whole church to come share. But okay, if you want, we can do that. Um, and Steve said, I want you to share three hard things that you've had to face in marriage and three easy things that you've had that you faced in marriage. Marriage, and, and initially we were kind of like, well, being asked to speak on a Sunday that qualifies as a hard thing in marriage. So that's right off the bat. There's one. Um, but uh, as we kind of wrestled with that, we thought, you know, to everything's come up with some. Everything's been hard, and everything's been good. Yeah, everything's been. You know, like you know, kids. Kids are hard, but. Kids are awesome. They're like a huge blessing. So it was hard for us to kind of categorize that. So we decided, you know what, we're just going to tell our story. Uh, we're just going to share our story with you, and you'll, you'll get a feel for the hard. You'll get a feel for the easy and all stuff. So rather than do a really boring you know, bullet point, here's three items, and blah, okay, we're yeah. just going to do our story. So, so yeah. Sorry, Steve. Yes. <laughs> so he's not here, so woo-hoo. Um, but uh, <clears throat> he'll, he'll yell at me on Monday. Um, so, but we wanted to start with, I know to, to get an understanding of our marriage, you do have to step back and, and kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into us growing up because you bring into your marriage who you are as people, obviously before you get married, and who you are as people is what you encountered in growing up. So we just want to give you a quick overview of our lives and our growing up period. So Susan's going to start with us. I'm going to say what I said in first service. That clock up there, I get to see how fast this time goes. It goes by really fast. It's awesome. It does. It's, awesome. it's almost over. <laughs> it's almost over. Like five minutes have gone by. Woo. Um, so, um, okay, my story. So, um, I have an older brother. I have a mom and dad. So my dad, I adored. I think I think like him, so I just really connected with him. But he was quiet, hardworking, gone a lot. And, and my parents divorced when I was seven, and I saw him on birthdays and holidays. Um, my mom had mental illness, and the only way to really describe it is um, she would rage a lot. And she, this is a simple way just for you to wrap your mind around what it was like. I was like Cinderella, and she was the, you know, the mom. And I was her whipping person and whatnot. So there's that. And then I had a brother who didn't take much interest in me. Um, we didn't, basically, it's almost like we hated each other growing up. Um, but now I see that, um, you know, kindness wasn't fostered in the home. And um, But it, as adults, we've learned to um, grow and have affection for each other. I had great grandparents that were my saving grace. Um, I grew up going to the Lutheran church, a lot of grandparents and um, cousins that went there, which um, I really enjoyed that. But Lutheran churches have great children's ministry. 
and I had great Sunday school teachers that I remember to this day, and I think that and my grandparents set me up for the future, which I'm very grateful for. Um, um, but growing up with mental illness, just for a glimpse of what it was like for me, it left me quite damaged. Um, it left me confused, shy, withdrawn, insecure, lost, and um, I found it as an adult hard to make decisions. So I, I grew up in a very different home. Um, uh, I, I grew up, now I had some very early um, interesting uh, situations that I don't remember much of, but my, it probably drove my parents crazy. I didn't speak till I was six years old. Um, and I had uh, eye problems with, uh, with real uh, you know, definite um, uh, perception problems. So you know, my, more, my poor parents, they were watching me. I'd walk into walls, fall downstairs, a lot kind of stuff. Uh, but I didn't speak, so they didn't know quite what to do with me. So, um, but uh, um, uh, after I kind of got through um, you know, that, uh, by the way, that is why I'm missing a finger for those that realize that I'm missing a finger on my right hand. That's why, because I, I, with uh, depth perception, I, I jammed my finger into a, a chain and a sprocket, um, and, and that you know, caused a lot of damage. So that was all part of the whole growing up thing. But aside from those oddities, um, I grew up, if you've ever read the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes, that was me. I had an older sister who was five years older. I, my whole existence was to torment her. Um, and yes, I even had a stuffed tiger that went everywhere with me all growing up. So, I mean, it was just, I, I look at those comments and I'm like, that's me. This is awesome. Um, and so uh, my parents, you know, were married. We, we went to church growing up um, and, uh, you know, they, they stayed married. My, my father, unfortunately, passed away m- many years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, my parents uh, had a, a great relationship. So I was able to see that, um, to see that modeled. Uh, we met at a, at a very young age. We met in high school. We were in band together, and so we were very much high school sweethearts and, uh, and connected there. Um, and then, uh, you know, after, uh, we went through college and uh, then decided to get married uh, at a very young age. Um, we have a picture of us uh, at our wedding. And yes, that is Steve Mitchell's right there. That is Pastor Steve that you see up there. And it was the 80s, poofy sleeves. Yeah, everything was poofy and all stuff. So there's our uh, very much uh, a a young couple that's got all the eagerness and and excitement with a very, very young Steve Mitchell's there. So he's got an awesome mustache. I was like, I need a mustache like that. So right off that picture, I started growing a mustache. So, um, but, uh, but, but that was, um, that was us starting out, and, and like most couples, you know, we got married, and uh, things were great. We went through the first, uh, you know, couple years of, um, uh, of marriage, and when we got to, mar- to uh, year number two, right around in there, that's when we hit our first major obstacle uh, of, of being married, um, and, and it, in this period of our marriage, all the issues rested with me. Um, I was overcome with just simply extreme selfishness. Uh, we had gotten married very young. Of course, we had dated, you know, in high school and all stuff. And so I just had this sense of the, the selfishness drive of I want what I want when I want it. And this person is standing in my way of getting it. Uh, where you're a classic young couple, there's not a lot of money, and so you have to make a decision. Do we buy like groceries or do we buy something fun? And it was always groceries, and she was always making that decision. And so, you know, we should probably go with groceries first. And I'm like, oh, I don't want groceries. I want something fun, you know. And, uh, and so it was just complete selfishness of I want out of this because this is not what I signed up for. 
Uh, and, and I think it's always so interesting that, you know, so many um, young couples, they will approach as they get close to marriage, thinking about marriage, of what they think they're going to get out of marriage. Uh, and let's be honest, that's kind of a selfish approach to marriage. But then they stand up on the stage next to each other and make vows about what they're going to give to marriage. I promise to love you and honor you and cherish you and all this stuff. But then as soon as the ceremony's over, it's back to that, well, what am I going to get out of this? And, it, and in my case, it was a very, very selfish um, a, approach to that of I'm not getting what I want. And so the answer is I want out. Uh, and uh, fortunately, I had two uh, very, very uh, great people that um, that were mentoring me, Steve Mitchells, Pastor Steve, uh, and uh, Pastor Jan Hedinga, uh, the pastor of North, North Shore Baptist Church, which was, of course, Steve's mentor. Um, and so, I mean, I remember at a, a men's retreat, very heated uh, discussions because I had already declared I want out of this marriage. This is, you know, a bunch of hogwash. And, and Steve and Jan decided to sit me down. Now, if you've never met Jan, he's uh, huge, you know, I mean, especially to a skinny little kid like me. He's really big. And, and Steve back in those days was like a wrestling coach. He was just like solid. I mean, he'd take you apart in a second. So, you know, skinny little kid, two huge guys. Um, and I still w- would like yell at him a lot. And... Um, I, I wish I could say that process happened quickly. It did not. Uh, but through the, the faith and the love of Steve and Jan and working with me, um, we spent some months going through that process of kind of getting my priorities back in check and not being so focused on myself and what I want, but really you know, understanding that, wait a minute, I do love this person, um, but I just have to get over my selfishness of it. And so once we kind of worked through that, that took a while. You know, it took about a year, uh, probably nine months to a year to kind of get through that that rough patch. And then things were kind of, you know, back back clicking again. Um, but then we decided we should have kids. That would be awesome. Um, and uh, and kids add a whole new level to your marriage. Um, like, oh, my goodness. Um, and so... Before you know it, um, we're kind of in this situation of, um, you know, just trying to live life. And, and I think it's what so many couples go through. See if this sounds familiar. And I know this is a very stereotypical look at it, but does this identify at all? So you're a young couple, money's tight, so the man is, I'm going to provide for my family. That's my role. I'm going to take care of this. So I'm going to work 110% at my job, and I'm going to, you know, absolutely provide for my family, my wife, my young kids, all stuff. The problem is you're spending 110% of your time at work trying to provide for your family. So it causes a, a lack of being able to invest in the marriage and the kids and all stuff. So you're always kind of like this pulled away. Meanwhile, the wife, who, who may be working herself, uh, trying to, to support, but then also trying to care for the household needs, care for the kids, do all this stuff, you know, run a household, all this stuff. And so what does that do? Well, it causes pretty much complete exhaustion. Uh, and so when there's any, you know, trying to connect or whatever, there's nothing left in the tank. It's like, I have been chasing kids around. I have been doing this and that and the other thing and trying to do whatever. I got nothing for you. Just ugh, leave me alone, okay? And so you have this couple that slowly drifts apart. They, they are slow drifting. And, and when we meet with couples and we're like, you know, what's going on? What, what are the words that you hear them say? Well, we were in love, but now we just feel like we've drifted apart. Um, and, and when you go back and start unpacking that, it's this whole thing of just life. Uh, it was, you know, the, the, the stresses of work. It was the stresses of the family and all stuff. And those are very difficult times. But like Susan, and I said at the beginning, kids are awesome. 
we love our kids, but boy, when you look at what it really pulls, you know, it can pull your marriage apart. Um, and so as we went through that, you know, we started, you know, to become those two people slowly drifting apart and even just the, some of the neglect uh, on the relationship of, you know, not being able to invest in each other's time. Um, and so um, at that point, then you started going through some, some big changes. So, um, <clears throat> yes, in about in the year 2000, in, our, in my mid-30s, um, I was feeling very discontented and um, mothering well was, um, you know, my hope and dream, but I was feeling at a great loss. So I had a friend who was trying to decide if she wanted to use her counseling degree and decided she would meet with me. So I met with her for like nine months. And um, it was one of the best and hardest things I've ever gone through um, to just really start reflecting and look at my life. But so I'm just going to go through a few things because I think about all we've talked about during that time a lot. I still reflect on it, and it still um, helps me to this day. Um, And I want to say, too, I... I was envious of other couples I would watch at church or out and about um, who looked like they had it together and looked like they had a loving relationship because I was feeling at such a loss with that. So um, um, meeting with this gal, she helped set my mind free. And I want to say, saturating my mind in the word of God has healed me. His word does heal and change you. It's amazing. So um, our time together, she helped me unlock my emotions. Um, put words to them. She unlocked my, helped me walk through some of my shame and let that go. Um, she put words, helped me put words to my story, words more than um, negative emotions, you know, which is hard on a marriage. So she helped me put words to my story, put words to my hopes and dreams. Um, one of the words we talked about a lot was intimacy. I had no idea what that was. I had to look it up. So intimacy basically means familiarity, and I had to stop and realize who really knows me. I'm this self-protective little girl um, who really knows me, and, and does David even really know me? So we walked through that a lot. Um, 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 attached to uh, intimacy is loneliness, so I was very, very lonely. And um, in my attempts to cover up my loneliness, I would grasp at things, try to control everything around me, especially David, because I was desperate for his affection. Um, Within that was was one of our words was expectations and requirements. And I think for women, or for me in in my story, expectations was um, a showcase for my selfishness because I was expecting a lot out of him constantly, expecting him, requiring him to love me the way I wanted to be loved or to meet my needs the way I wanted. Um, I used all sorts of ways to do that. Sorry, my gum. Um, Like sarcasm, manipulation, ambivalence. Sometimes I would just shut down or, you know, I would get angry, frustrated. And once I started to see this as we walked through it, um, I realized it was actually coveting. I was coveting him, and he was my idol. And you know what God says about idols. Um, um, it was not pretty to look at. It was it was um, felt like desperately wicked and ugly, and um, I didn't like it. And I was determined to change. Um, I wanted to say um, in this bad place. You know, last week Steve talked about. Um, Covetousness is something that women struggle with, and I was I was struck by that because I thought that is so true. Um, did you know in Hebrews thirteen five it says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as 
as you have, for he has said he will never leave you nor forsake you. So focus on my Lord, and I will find contentment, and I won't be covetousness, or have a covetousness. Um, God was all I needed. So as I was starting to really grasp that, because I believed in God, I was surrendered to him, but it wasn't, it still wasn't working for me. Um, so once I saw this ugliness, I was uh, determined to faithfully uh, pursue the Lord, diligently as well. Um, I saturated my mind with his word and, um, and in prayer. And I want to say this didn't happen overnight. It took years to renew my mind. Um, and it was awkward at times and, you know, weird and ugly. But, um, but it slowly, slowly started coming. And um, the other thing I, I did out of this time with her was I, um, as I was learning all this stuff about myself, as I needed to ask David for, for forgiveness for the way I was sinning against him um, and making him my idol. And, when, and I think that helped set free some of our struggles. And it was a huge start in our healing and restoration process. Um, and when I'm very black and white in some ways, and um, so my thought was during this time, I'm going to focus on who God is, because obviously if I'm looking for intimacy, I need to start with him, and I don't know who he is as well as I thought I did. So I would focus on, whenever I read the word or any book, is who is God saying to me that he is, and who is he to me? Um, and hoping in that, that everything else would fall into place. You know, as, as my mind is starting to renew and I focus on God, then he will work out the other details. It's only he can. It's amazing what he can do. One of the passages of scripture that I would meditate on that helped just restore my focus was Psalm 73. And um, I'm just going to walk you through just a little bit of it. Um, It starts out with focusing on our earthly pleasures and our discontent with life, and then it expresses some confession and worship of God alone, and it recognizes that God is good, and in that that place you find peace, contentment, and joy. And then at the end, you're able to share what God has done for you. And I'm like, here I am sharing what God has done for me. Um, The end of Psalm 73 says, Then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you, which I was. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all his works. Um, So I praise God for all all he's done for me. Um, And then I want to just throw this out there because this is so true. As I'm um, pursuing God, First Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness actually is a means of great gain, which it is, but only when accompanied by contentment. Is that just not unbelievable? Um, one benefit from pursuing God over the years, and I had God redeemed many parts of my story, and I won't go into all those, but it's, it's, it's cool how many ways he's redeemed my story. But one benefit was over time, and it was just unawares to me. I just realized one day, and it's something we talk about a lot, I realized my dad showed me unconditional love. <laughs> this, this um, what I wrote, this quiet, pragmatic, kind, but very distant earthly father loved me unconditionally. And I was like dumbstruck, like, really? Um, but it's true. Um, I had never thought that before, and God really healed the pain from that relationship and helped me see my father as a man doing his best. 
Um, and in that place now, we talk a lot about how to love our kids unconditionally, and we talk about how my dad did that for us, um, which is huge. See, God can do, do amazing things when you stop and let him work and stop controlling everything. Um, this new place also helped set me free with David and the boys, and I forgot to say this first service. Um, I was stopped um, requiring them to love me a certain way, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I just want to say it's beautiful now how they can love me the way they want to. I love watching my boys. Um, it's slowly coming now that they're young adults where they're just loving me um, the way they want to. And it's not the way I assumed it would look like, but it's still beautiful and it's, it's precious. So as we walked um, through that stuff, um, you know, that definitely helped and, and brought a lot of things into focus on, on our marriage and, and, you know, walked through a lot of different stuff. As Susan said, you know, that, that played out over, uh, you know, years really. But once we got past all that, we thought, okay, things are better, but they just never quite, it just still seemed like there was just something. Disconnect. <laughs> there was a disconnect somewhere in there, and we, we needed to get to the bottom of that. And so we decided to go to, because um, up in this point, you know, we'd kind of met with counselors, but as individuals. Um, and so we thought, let's go meet with somebody as a, as a couple. Uh, and so we uh, we knew a marriage counselor that was outstanding. He is an author. He's a speaker. He does you know marriage counseling. Absolutely wonderful. The problem was he won't counsel people that he knows. Uh, and so through much begging and pleading, we finally talked him into counseling us. And um, <clears throat> and so we get there. We're sharing our story, and we're expecting him to just you know peel back. You know, you guys are the worst couple that's ever you know been married, and just you know how could, how did you ever get together and all this stuff. And what he said to us instead was, he says, you know, we need to stop and look at what's actually going well in your marriage. Let's let's focus on that because you guys have actually have some good stuff that's going for you. Now, a lot of that is because we had already marched through all this stuff as individuals. Um, But, you know, what he said was, he says, you know, I get that you guys are for each other. And that's huge because a lot of couples don't get that, you know, part of marriage is being for each other. Uh, and, and that's what a lot of you know, times couple lose. He also discovered that, um, or, or just kind of in the listeners, is you know, the way you guys talk to each other and how you work out your dif- differences is a very safe uh, way of, of approach, which he, you know, he says you don't see that a, a lot. Meaning that, um, and I knew this from Steve. Steve said this at a, like before we even got married. Uh, he told me, he says, you know, uh, with Susan's background and with her upbringing and a lot of the damage that was done to her by her mother, um, there are things that you cannot say to her or you will destroy her forever. So the biggest one is, can you imagine if I'd ever uttered in a sense of frustration, you are just like your mother. Can you imagine if those words had kind of out of my mouth? I mean, and again, like Steve, Steve was right, I would never have recovered from that. Uh, and so he was really good at, you know, at teaching me and saying, you have to be careful how you speak to your wife. Because, you know, if you cross that line, you will never, ever get that back. And I really took that to heart. So now when I'm frustrated with her, what I say is, you are just like your father. And then she, like, beams. She's like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> um, the other thing that was really ended up being really huge for us was that um, uh, th- this guy looked at us and he says, you know, um, David, have you ever been, uh, anybody ever told you that I, I think you've got ADD? And I'm like, what? The minute he said that, I was like, that's it. Oh, my gosh. 
I was like, there's no way. There's just not even a chance that I've got ADD. So he sent me to a guy that we took a test, and the guy came back, and he says, uh, you got a 99.5% on the test. And I'm like, ooh, is that an A? That's awesome, you know? <laughs> And he's like, no, you scored in the 99.5 percentile, meaning only half a percent of the population is more ADD than you are. And I'm like, is that good? I don't know. Are you saying I should do better next time? Or I don't know. So um, that helped. I mean, that just that understanding of, again, it was more of the makeup, more of the concept of what makes each other tick, um, and that really helped us with um, with coming together and, and helped her get an idea of, oh, my gosh, no wonder he makes me crazy. He's so busy. His mind is always going. He's always he's the firefighter. He likes to serve and help, and I felt like the last one on the list, and so that just really helped. Yeah, So and, and then, you know, through that was a process of how to, you know, kind of help and, and process that in a married relationship, and then we also, um, around that same time, um, we – had attended it's just this evening conference on on parenting and it was put on by this uh, uh this counselor that we had respected greatly um and you know he's talking about parenting but he made this statement uh that really impacted us and it was really a huge thing for us and what he said was, he says an unobserved life is a dangerous life and and we just kind of like went whoa what, what wait and, and he i mean he did emphasize that he says no i really want you to let that sink in an unobserved life is a dangerous life. Now, in the context of parenting, what he was saying was, if you're not aware of, of your own stuff and, and, and who you are and all stuff and, the, and what you're doing to the people around you, an unobserved life of your own stuff, that can do damage to your kids. Uh, but it doesn't just stop there. It's relationships around you. Uh, and we see people, I mean, that's kind of become a, a you know, a, a phrase for us in life. You know, I mean, we were just having a conversation with our son. He was just so frustrated with this person he had to work with. And it's like, you know, it's an unobserved life. I mean, they're just a wreckage of people behind them and they don't see it. We, we, we use this one all the time yeah. just for ourselves, for everyone. It's, it was huge, an unobserved life, because you don't realize how you're affecting people. Yeah. Yeah, and so it helped. That helped us open up a communication as well. Yeah, because then it just allows me to stop and say, okay, how are my actions? How am, what am I doing affecting her? Uh, again, it's getting that you know eyes off of myself, but but yet it's kind of that little bit of a, a, a and both. It's a I have to put my eyes on myself to see what's really going on. But in an honest, truthful, I mean, that's where Scripture, being in the Word, I mean, that's where that, that uncovers that stuff about you. But then seeing what am I causing? in my wife and how can I best support her but I have to start with an observed life and so an unobserved life is a dangerous life that really helped us and then moving forward um, you know once we got through you know meeting with um, you know the counselor together as a couple and, and helping to put together some pieces the one advice he did say is he says you guys need to find things to do together uh, you need to find you know activities or something you know to just to do together as a as as a couple and that was it's really hard to do when you have kids. It just is. It, so very, it, it very hasn't difficult. happened. It didn't happen while they were teenagers. It happened once they were out of school, out of the house and we could spend more time. But um, that was one of those things where, um, you know, as we kind of stopped and thought about it, I thought, you know, how amazing is it that most couples meet and fall in love because of how much they have in common? It's like, oh, we've got so much in common. We should get married. Um, and then you go through you go through marriage, and it's like that a little bit of that drifting apart. But it's you know, how many times do we sit with couples and they go, well, we just have nothing in common? And I'm like, well, well why did you get married? 
You know, let's go back and let's let's unpack that again. You're not, now you say you've been married for 10 years. Now you say you got nothing in common. Let's go back to when you were dating. Did, did you ever say we have so much in common we should get married? And then I was like, well, OK, yeah, back then we did. And so we were no different. We had to go back and find areas that we had some commonalities and find things that we could do together. So now we're different people. So, for example, she likes cycling. Uh, I love running. So we compromised and we cycle. That's how it works. So, yes. <laughs> um, but when we were dating, our, what, a lot of our dates were biking, cycling down to Seattle. So we did that. We actually had a history of cycling together, and that's what we did do a lot of that when, um, for, our, for our dates, we would, we would meet uh, on the east side, get on the Burke Elman Trail, ride, ride down to Seattle, find a place to have lunch, and then you know, get on our bikes and, and ride back. So uh, we actually had a history. And, and it was one of those things of, although we did running um, when we were in college together, um, you know, as you know, we got older, it, running for her became a very injury-plagued uh, and just you know, painful thing. So uh, that's why she really gravitated for the cycling thing. And I like both. So in that kind of a compromise, it is pretty easy of saying, okay, you know what? Running doesn't work for her, but I love cycling too So you know, and running. So yeah, let's, let's do the cycling. Or the times that I'm running, she rides her bike beside me. It's a win-win situation. So, but we have tried to look for, and that's what Roger, you know, our counselor, said, look for things that you can do together. Um, and either it's old passions or find a new passion together. Um, and, and I do you know, love running, and, and it's a part of my life. And so there was a, um, a situation that came up where I, I coached cross-country uh, for, for a school team. And, um, and this year the team was going to be exceptionally large, and my assistant coach, who was my son, decided to move up to the high school. So now I've got like 55 junior hires. I took coach junior high cross country, 55 junior hires, and I'm me. So I had to look for an assistant coach, and I'm like, I wonder who I could get for an assistant. <laughs> He's like, I have 55 kids. There's only four minutes left. This is awesome. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> He's like, I have 55 kids and no help. And I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do with this? Because part of the other thing for me is David, <laughs> Mr. ADD boy, can do anything. He's not afraid of it, and he does everything really well. And I can get envious of that. I know I can. And, um, and sometimes it's easier just not, to not participate. But I really felt like God was saying, I've given you an opportunity to connect whether I don't care how you feel about it <laughs> or how gifted you are, it's an opportunity I'm giving you. So um, I entered in, and I must say, I had a blast. It was way fun. It took me three long weeks to learn names, and, f- and I felt really awkward and stupid most of the time, but it was way fun. Yes. I never learned the names. I just point out and say, hey, you, uh, run faster. That worked great. But, I mean, nothing... Nothing works in your marriage like hanging out with 55 junior hires. I mean, that really, but it was something we did together. Again, it was something that brought us together. Um, my work schedule in the fire department is just crazy. I mean, there's, there could be days go by where we don't get to see each other. I actually miss it. Oh, my gosh, yes. because I got to see him every day, and now I don't see him. Yeah, and so they would afford, so my, my work actually afforded me, um, you know, the time and says, yeah, we'll, we, you know, we, we want to have presence in schools, and so coaching is great, so we'll give you these couple hours during the day to be able to go coach, and, um, and so she coached me. So we would get to see every, each other every day. Um, and that was a, an awesome thing. It was something we did together. It was something we were doing together so we could you know, talk about in the evenings of you know, all that stuff and strategize. And so it was something that you know, really brought us together of finding. But it, you know, if you'd told us 
you know, 20 years ago, you're going to be coaching together, you know, junior high cross country. It would have been like, what? Um, but that was what Roger was trying to appeal us to was, was find things that really bring you together uh, and, and do that. And um, the other things that we also, uh, you know, were encouraged to do was also enter into each other's life. Just as the simple things of, you know, what was your day like? Um, and, and that was a big thing as far as, you know, because like she, you know, said to me, she goes, I don't know what works like for you. Um, I don't know what, you know, you, you, you drive away and you, you come back hours later and I, I don't know what you, what you he's, did. He's learned how to give me a glimpse of his day. If it's a funny story with a coworker, a horrible call, something he can tell me every day where I feel connected and I'm starting to learn names and, you know, I can enter in the conversation and know how to ask questions, I guess. And that was huge. And then I'd tell him the same thing, too. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like it's a mundane, stupid thing. But we're entering in each other's life. And Absolutely. it's huge. So, yeah, words, words, words are good. Yeah. And, and that really did make a big impact of just now I am understanding what her day's like and ways I can pray for her and, and making the connections of that. And so even those what would normally be a drifting apart is a, a, a coming together. And I think that's such a, you know, again, I can't stress enough that that drifting apart is such a dangerous area of marriage because that's where you really start to see um, that infidelity affairs come in as the couples drift apart. And it's like, well, I'm not getting my needs met at home, but there's this person at work or I'm not getting my needs met at, you know, wherever, but I see this person. And that's where things can really get into um, out of balance really fast and staying connected at every level and finding levels to be connected is so important. And then the the biggest thing that, you know, we really want to leave with is um, uh, that focus of being a team. We got married because we wanted to be together and to be a team. Um, and so, you know, sadly, so many couples turn into two individuals that tend to cohabitate together. And it's that reconnecting and being a team. But you also have to understand, and I think you guys know this now, we've, you know, we've been married now for 31 years, um, and... Marriage is hard work. Marriage is just a lot of hard work. Uh, and there's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of it's not pretty. And a lot of it's not fun and glamorous. But it's hard work. And I think in terms of, you know, when, when I'm training for a marathon, um, you know, and I, I love running marathons, but I do them more than just run to finish. I actually, like, want to, you know, like, get first place or at least first place in my age category or something like that. Um, and so I train really hard. And so, you know, my training program for a single race is 18 weeks uh, and it's not pretty and it's a lot of mileage and it's just me out there in the rain running and you know nobody's looking um, and so if you just looked at that you know glimpse of a couple hours during the race you'd think oh look you know it looks so easy no it's all the hard work that went into it and that can be any sports I mean you, if you go home and watch a football game today those guys didn't just show up this morning to, to, to go play football. They've been training year-round, many of them, uh, to get ready. So, yeah, they make it look easy, but they really put in the hard work to get to that point of making it look easy. And so, um, you know, if it's like, oh, that, you know, that person's marriage, it looks so easy. There might have been a lot of hard work that went into it. And as I get, you know, one of the, the joys of my job is I get to hang out in some of the retirement communities. And some of these couples have been married for 50, 60, 70 years and I love it because they are husband and wife. I and mean, when it says in the Bible, the two shall become one, you look at these couples and you're just like, that is awesome. I mean, this is a couple. They are, they are the two of them together. I mean, you just can't even picture them apart. And they're so delightful. Have they gone through hardships? Oh, yeah. 
but it shaped them and who they are because they chose to come together as a team. Uh, and I love spending more time with those couples. You know, that, that's why it's so painful in our job where, you, you know, you have to go to these, these calls sometimes and you're doing CPR on one of the spouses and, you know, you have to cease efforts. We're not going to get them back. And you have to go tell that spouse of 65, 70 years, I'm sorry, we, we couldn't save your spouse. And the devastation because they literally just lost half of them. Half of their personhood just died. Um, and, and to see the, you know, it's one of those, those, it's a painful thing, but it's a sweet thing. Because the sweet thing is you see the love in those moments. I mean, yeah, they're grieving and it's very painful, but it's like, wow, I can see a picture into how deeply you loved each other, um, you know, in those moments. And just the way they, you know, start talking about it. And that's what we want for our marriage. And I encourage you, you know, if you're here and you're going through rough patches or, you know, good patches or whatever, just know marriage is hard. Not going to sugarcoat it, but it's worth it. But it's worth it and there's hope. And I think there's hope in the Lord. There's hope in his word. There's hope for your marriage. And, you know, like I said in the beginning, we don't have any of these huge, oh, we overcame this huge obstacle, you know, and now look at us. We don't have that. We just are two people that just, you know, the day-to-day, the the mundane of marriage and navigated that. So if you're out there and you're like, yeah, well, that worked for you guys, but we have these huge things to overcome. No, there is hope for your marriage. Um, The Lord cares about your marriage. The Lord wants your marriage to succeed, and there is hope. Yes, it's hard. I won't sugarcoat that. It's like that training for a marathon. It's going to take a lot of hard miles to get there. But when you show up for the race day, it'll all be worth it. And the Lord can definitely reconcile um, and, and change your marriage. And we're an example of that. I mean, it was, it was step by step. But I we're mean, an I example. forgot to say, too, um, we both wanted out at some time. It wasn't just him. I wanted out, too. Yeah, so we've had to wade through that. So <laughs> Anyway, let's close in prayer. Would you join us as we pray? Lord... <clears throat> We know that you designed marriage, um, and you designed it for to be a great and a beautiful thing. But as we, um, you know, discover very quickly when we get married, it's hard, uh, and there's a lot of work and having to overcome selfishness and 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 put aside our own selfishness and having to be self-observant uh, and and know how my actions are affecting my spouse and those around me. And uh, Lord, there's just a lot of hard work to it. Lord, I pray for the people that are here this morning that you would just encourage them to know that there is no, um, there's nothing so overwhelming that you, the God of miracles, can't step in and make a difference in the marriages of this of this church, um, and that you do care about each and every one of us. And Lord, that there is help. Lord, as I look back and I think of all the people that helped Susan and I in our marriage and going through and just all those the. the the counselors and the people that, that, that believed in us and wanted the best for us. Um, Lord, we, we thank you for them. And I pray that there would be people like that that would be for, for the couples in this church that could help them through those tough times, celebrate with them during the good times. Um, and, uh, and Lord, we just pray for strong, strong marriages uh, here at Norfolk and that there would be many, many other stories of overcoming and, um, and putting in the hard work and then celebrating um, a a great, great marriage. Um, And so, Lord, we just give that to you and pray that in your name. Amen.